Welcome back to UAP Studies. Today, my guest is Vinny Adams from the Disclosure Team. Vinny is joining us from the UK, and he's uh, graciously enough accepted my invitation. I'm pretty sure that I threatened him that I would divorce him if he wasn't on the podcast this year, jokingly on Facebook. So it's awesome that he uh, agreed to come on. Louis, you join us again as co-host on this podcast. My man, how are you doing? I'm doing really good, brother. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, really excited about our guest today. I'm excited about uh, the topics that we're going to cover and most, you know, a big fan of this podcast. Uh, If you haven't, if you've lived under a rock for the last few years and you haven't heard of the Disclosure Team, do yourself a favor, go watch a podcast. It's on YouTube. It's pretty much everywhere. I think Instagram, Twitter, uh, you can't miss it. Just type it into your Google search and it will pop up. So, Vinny Adams, welcome to the show, brother. I noticed uh, you, I've done some research and uh, looked through some of your previous guests, and you've had some some of the big names, uh, you know, in the uh, UAP world, so to speak. You've had Lou Elizondo and Tim McMillan, who's been on our show a couple times. Uh, Thomas Winterton from Skinwalker Ranch, also been on our show. So, uh, a lot of those people, are, their names are prevalent right now. Skinwalkers are sort of making a, a comeback as well. So, um, I just wanted to ask you, have you had any... Uh, I don't want to say favorite guest because I don't want to put you in that spot, but were there anyone that, you know, you kind of got drifted away with and you thought, you know, I really enjoyed that. I didn't expect that from this person or maybe they brought up a certain topic that you're really fond of and it just kind of turned into this really awesome uh, recording. Have you had any of those moments uh, either starting out or recently? I have indeed. And first of all, let me just say thank you so much for having me. Um, When I was asked, of course, I would never say no. I'm a fan of this show. So I had to like, jump at the opportunity so, so thank you very much um but to answer your question i've had so many moments with guests where i almost have a, a preconceived notion of what the conversation is going to go like and nine times out of ten i'm completely wrong and completely off and that's awesome because i get i still get really super nervous for every interview but then you soon realize that the person that you're speaking to isn't how you you know expected them to be and the conversation becomes really relaxed really quickly case in point and you just mentioned him is Thomas Winterton who I spoke to earlier this week you know I, I'm a big fan of the Skinwalker show and I've, I've researched it before so it's like I said it's still nerve-wracking but very quickly it was clear that Thomas was just a, a chilled guy up for open conversation and before I knew it we were just having a great chat so yeah yeah, we had a moment like that last week with uh, Sean Cahill. You know, he's uh, he's had pretty well a similar interview every time uh, he's been on. A lot of times he's with Lou Elizondo and they're chatting. But we uh, we were joking around about, hey, man, it's a safe space. Just go there. And he's like, well, all right, I'm going to tell you something I've never told anybody. I pretty much saw UAP and I saw the pilot. OK, there I said it. And we felt really blessed that he uh, he chose us to make that revelation. Right. Even if it's something that's not, you know, super groundbreaking or earth shattering. It's still, you, if he wasn't comfortable and if he wasn't enjoying the exchange, it wouldn't have happened. Right. So, uh, so yeah, for me, that was a, a moment I had recently that was, uh, uh, you know, made us feel good. Gave us a little tear. Right. So I, I still, uh, yeah, I still get nervous. Absolutely. Like even today I was nervous. Like I'm nervous at every <laughs> interview because you never know how it's going to go. Uh, personally, I appreciate the fact that, you know, even though this is audio only uh, a podcast, I'm not on YouTube or anything like that yet. Uh, people turn on their cameras 
because it does such a huge favor to us as podcasters when we could see the person's face and reactions. Because <laughs> if there's yeah. a delay at all, it throws me off. Like the editing that I have to do on these podcasts is insane. So and you don't know how the guy took what you just said either. If there's a awkward <laughs> silence, oh no, have I done something? Or is he just taking a minute or having a sip of his coffee? Exactly. It leaves you guessing, right? Well, I think we're still visual creatures. We need that body language yeah, to reassure 100%. that we're yeah. on the same page here, right? We're digging what's happening. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it's like a phone call. You just can't gauge how the other person's, <laughs> you know, on yeah. the other end is receiving it. So yeah. what was it that triggered it for Vinny Adams that got you on this course that you're on right now with investigation? Because it's not just podcasting that you do and talking with people that are in this world of ufology. You're an actual researcher as well. So what got you like so embedded into this? You know what? I, and I'm... <clears throat> I give the same answer on every podcast. So I'm actually going to switch it up a little bit today and almost give you a little something that I've not already spoken about. It's not a safe zone, brother. It worked last week. Let's, yeah, get it the let's do it. That's right. <laughs> let's go. You're among friends. So yeah, my, I mean, like as a young child, you know, I was born in 77. So by the time I, you know, the early eighties hit, I was already into star Wars and all that kind of sci-fi stuff, ET close encounters, all, all that kind of stuff. So that was already in my ever developing brain at the time. But then I suppose it probably hit late teens, early 20s. I met, you know, I was I finished school and college and I was partying a bit and I just kept meeting different people. And there were people that were a bit more spiritually open to things and I'd never really come across that before. So they were into stuff like the Illuminati and Atlantis and all these weird and wonderful, I mean, I don't like the phrase, but conspiracy theories. And so that kind of just triggered off like there's more to this world. So I spent a few years like drifting between different conspiracy theories, but then hit the UFO subject probably about 12, 13 years ago now and just started absorbing all the documentaries that were out and stuff like that. But I always found myself with more questions at the end and I was not satisfied. So I was like, I've got to find out more. And then obviously realized that both in the US and in the UK, there's documents you can go online and, and research. And so I was doing that purely just for my own joy you know i really enjoyed sitting up for hours at night just buried deep you know on a screen full of documents and um, and then that just kept developing i suppose and then excuse me when 2017 hit like a lot of people it was a big revelation and i knew how important it it was and could be um and then just bringing it back to the last few years the pandemic hit you know i was at home a lot of time on my hands and I thought you know what I'm going to just start a social media page I chose Instagram just to kind of put things down for my own benefit really I could go back and look at them before I knew it I mean this was December I, I had the account for a while but I didn't post anything really till the end of 2020 early 2021 so we're only talking just over a year and all of a sudden it just blew up and I was like okay I can either do this for real or not and I just went 110% and here I am today. 110% is correct. Man. <laughs> I, I just, like I said before we started recording the podcast, I'm in awe of the amount of work that you do. Uh, I'm extremely lazy. I will only podcast and once a week, which, you know, and you're at it all week long. Like you got stuff going on all week, plus your investigations as well. So uh, your work ethic is is very good. Thank you, man. I appreciate uh, that. I noticed that you mentioned that, you know, 
what kind of piqued your interest was getting involved with people that were kind of enlightened thinkers, not scared to think outside the box, maybe not so much esoteric, but just that whole idea of consciousness and spirituality. And uh, the higher it seems now anyway, since ATIP videos and everything else, the higher level of person you speak to, they they have a, a humble respect for that. Yeah, it's a conscious thing, you know, reaching out to it, interacting with it, whether we're talking about like CE5 encounters with Stephen Greer and a a new Mexican desert where you can manifest things with your thoughts or with your um, meditations or whatever. But it seems the, the deeper down the rabbit hole we go with physics, the physics fizzles away and the weird supernatural, anything's possible seems to be more prevalent. So uh, it's nice to, and it's refreshing to hear people finally giving that some credence and not just fluffing it off like nonsense. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I will admit that I am from more of a nuts and bolts research background because I'm very evidential based, you know, I need, I can't be like maybes and well, it almost says this. So I believe that I need that final piece of conclusive evidence to form a, a decision on something. But then last year, before I started on YouTube, I was speaking to James Ian Dolly a lot of Engaging the Phenomena, who's an incredible researcher, podcaster and, and everything, just a nice guy. And he was just kept saying, you should do YouTube, you should do YouTube. And I was like, I, I hate being in front of the camera. I'm not the best talker. But he kept swaying me and I started and then, you know, me and James have got a good friendship and he's just so he, the way he covers that kind of consciousness aspect of the phenomena, it really allowed me to open up and come away from the nuts and bolts and really embrace other aspects of the phenomena. And since then, you know, I've realized that there are so many connections between all those different aspects. Is there anything that's kind of at the forefront of your mind? Like, what are you digging now? What, when you have somebody on that brings up topic X, like what is it that you're super interested in and kind of uh, enthusiastic about learning more about? Because we're always evolving, I think, right? So what is that with you right now? I suppose um, probably because I spoke to Thomas Winterton was my last interview. But so when George Knapp and Lukatsky um, and Colin Kelleher released Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, I think it was November of 2021, and that really did show these connections between nuts and bolts and, and you know, the woo, let's say. Um, and that's been prevalent in my mind ever since, just really forming those connections. And now we've heard people like Lou speak a little bit more about those connections as well. Sean Cahill, you know, he's a very spiritual guy and, um, you know, he appreciates those things as well. So to me, it's just forming those connections and, and finding more evidence, data, information, so, yeah, I think that's that's what's been on my mind because, I, you know, Skinwalker Ranch, as much as I'm a fan of the TV show, I was a big fan of George Knapp's first book, um, the work done by NIDS back in the sort of 90s. And then obviously with all the ORSAP data, it's just it's a treasure trove. I just wish we had more because I know there's more out. Well, not out there. It's hidden. But yeah. Yeah, we're, we're basically right there. I mean, uh, we've gone down the Skinwalker Ranch uh, rabbit hole. And in fact, we have George Knapp and Colin Kelleher on next week uh, to discuss just that, their new book. So um, it's funny how things come out. Then uh, it was like, where was that six months ago? Now it's like, maybe there's things in the work and people don't talk about it because they're in the works. And that's maybe how it kind of becomes present. But uh, yeah, we're super excited about what's coming out. Anything that is legitimate disclosure from the government, whether it's a Tic Tac video or a book about, you know, uh, UAPs or the studies that the Pentagon does. Uh, my first notice of that book actually was on the very back. Because Jason and I bought a copy. We like to support our guests and, sure. you know, read their latest book. And on the back, it said uh, this book has been uh, released and the information has been approved by the Department of Defense. And I thought, 
well, that's a bunch of bullshit. Like these guys filtered the book. What kind of book is this? And I took the wrong way. And I've subsequently, I've heard George Knapp on another podcast. And he said, like, we wanted to make this thing thick. And the government said no to 85% of it. So absolutely, it's a bit filtered because it's a legitimate thing. They weren't going to give them carte blanche and let them write whatever they want about it. So at first I was kind of turned off by it. And then I thought, hey, you know, you hit a nerve there a little bit because they, they went through it and wanted to have their final stamp of approval. So um, that tells me that there's some validity to what they're talking about, right? Yeah, I think if you read between some of the lines in the book, you can almost see where things end and there should be more information. You can kind yeah. of see where the DOD that's where went. They cut, that's uh, where they cut it short. And I find that just as intriguing as, you know, what it possibly could be about, you know. It, you learn to kind of read between the lines. And again, it's as long as you don't read between those lines and say that's got to be fact, you don't know. But yeah, you kind of you you get to that stage eventually, and I, I really like that. Um, it throws up a lot of questions. It's like puzzle pieces with ufology. You know, you get a little piece here, a little piece there, and sometimes they don't match. You know, they're going to be for another section of the puzzle, but you got to hold on to it, and eventually you get a big picture. And that's really what ufology kind of is over the years. Like even Canada this week. I'm really impressed. They released a bunch of documents on UAPs and, and UFO activities. Uh, you have that, um, oh man, I'm bad with names, but uh, he's a Canadian politician that's pushing for more disclosure and investigation into, uh, oh man, what's his name? Got it here. It's going to kill me. Here. Yeah. So I, I, yeah I, I, I've been speaking to Victor Vigiani these last few days about it because um, Victor's coming on in a few weeks. Um, and he was just sending me some information and I had looked into it already pick the wrong email where it just says canadian minister bear with me yeah it's bugging me if i don't know the name now <laughs> i'm one of those guys you know well we can give uh, some thanks to paul hellier he was the first high-ranking canadian military official to actually say something's up you Absolutely. know when he responded to a craft like he was at home he got a call from his senior people that hey there's something you should probably come check out and he gets there and the americans are already well organized putting that thing back together and he kind of realized, wait, you know, I'm the, the minister of defense for the country. How do I not even know what the hell's going on in regards to these things? So, and he was instrumental with the national press club meetings too, right? So absolutely. To Paul. Yeah. He's, you know, it was a shame, you know, when he passed away last year, yeah. you know, it really was. Um, the guy's name, I can't find it. I'm sorry. No, it's, Is it uh, Hague? Just, I will find Is it. it Hague? That rings a bell. Oh, damn. I know there's an L, you know what, This the listeners are probably just going to be like, you know, their toes curling right now. Come on, you should know this. We got a free uh, t-shirt to whoever knows the answer to this. Week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I mean, Canada's doing some, some big stuff when it comes down to least disclosure, trying to keep up with the states. How is it like in the UK oh, right man. now with this disclosure? It's bad. It's really bad. Is yeah, it? I mean, last summer, I think it was... Just after the preliminary assessment came out of the DOD, um, there was a, a few questions spoken about UAP in the houses, House of Lords in the UK, and it was just brushed off like it was nothing, you know, nothing to see here, no national security issues or anything like that. That's it. Um, and it's pretty much been that since. So us, I say us, the guys at UAP Media UK have been really trying to push what was happening last year in the US where people can write to their local MPs and members of parliament to really sort of get the conversation happening, um, engaging with the press as well. But I think we're at the early stages now where we just need to keep pushing that. Um, and maybe we'll catch up with, with the US in a few years. But 
it's just something it's typical of the uk we always wait to see what the us does and we follow slowly behind you know a bit a bit of time afterwards so i'm hoping that with the work that we're doing and the engagement that we'll get there eventually but we're certainly not not as far ahead as canada um and it was larry Maguire that we're talking about Woo! <laughs> I knew you knew it. <laughs> Larry McGuire. Good, good, good for Larry. Thank you, Larry, for helping yeah. us representing yeah. Canada. Well, what's the, uh, what's the general view of the, like, you know, for most people in um, England and, and uh, Europe, like what's their view on the UAP? Do they believe this is an actual thing just not being recognized by their governments? Or are they waiting for the government to come out and say something before they're like, oh, yeah, I've seen it too. I mean, I can't really speak for the other countries in Europe because I know that they're they're at different stages. Like France is a lot more open to it than England. But over here, the problem is the media because we have the tabloids covering it weekly, every few days. But it's really bad alien X-Files type headlines. And it, I mean, I've spoken to people who aren't interested in the subject and they've seen these stories. And it's just like, oh, I, I know what you see and read and it just it makes a joke out of the subject and the stigma and taboo is still there because of that you know um and it needs to stop um, but we are luckily engaged with some journalists through uap media uk so i feel like the tide is turning slowly but surely so we just need to get the big the big name newspapers the broadsheets on board um but 2022 is a big year for that aim so fingers crossed we'll we'll make some traction soon probably doesn't help if the only tabloid newspaper putting any info has a picture of a ufo next to elvis has been spotted you know exactly, it kind of yeah. it, it makes it and maybe some people want it that way right keep it as a joke so that people keep brushing it off and saying there's nothing there and philip mantle uh, actually mentioned that when he was on our show a couple of weeks ago that that's you know that even even though legitimate things seem to be happening it doesn't really seem to be taken as seriously as as he would like right What's well, like the cheesy graphics that they put on, you know, like a flying saucer through a city and then yeah. they add like the stupid and then do you believe in these flying saucers? Yeah. It's like, come on, like, why do you have to kick it off like that? And, and like, why can it be just a regular piece of news like everything else? Like, holy shit, this took place today. And um, here's some videos. Yeah. As opposed to what do you think it is right into us? And finally, yeah. it's like, oh, it's it nice like- that we've changed. We've changed some of our acronyms, right? UFO to UAP, uh, extraterrestrials to, you know, EBINs, the extraterrestrial entities or biological entities, that type of thing. So maybe if we change the stigma of the word itself, people will give it a little more credit. Yeah, I'm glad that we don't keep labeling it with aliens and ET and extraterrestrial because the conversation has expanded to the point where we don't know if they're extraterrestrial because of all the other things, the crypto terrestrials, the interdimensional. So I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with the fact that they use UAP because it does reduce the stigma in the conversation. UAP has been around since the 50s, which, you know, some people think, oh, well, why have the government suddenly changed it? They haven't. They've been using it a long time. They're just doing it strategically, which is fine. Um, but and again, one thing that just popped into my head was when the National Defence Authorization Act was kind of and the Gillibrand Amendment was announced here and reported on in the UK, we had some good information. We liaised with the newspapers to get some you know legitimate information in there but they still stuck the headline as alien hunters are happy that this new law is coming and it's like alien hunters come on man yeah, like, yeah. yeah. it's like giving you a compliment while slapping you <laughs> exactly. at the same time you know what i mean like 
So, Vinny, I got to ask you, uh, you went to Columbia recently. I did, yes. It looks amazing. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about your trip to Columbia? Um, yeah. What do I, I can. I, what happens in Columbia stays in Columbia. <laughs> I, there is stuff that we are kind of under a small NDA until this series gotcha. kind of comes out. But, yeah, I mean, I can talk about it. Well, what got the uh, the ball going on this whole Columbia trip? Like, how did that come about? So the guy that organizes it all, Ashley Cowie, he's he's a quite a, a well-known dude. He's, he's an explorer. He's done a lot of TV shows in the past uh, the, on the Travel Channel and Discovery. He's had his own shows. He's featured with Josh Gates on Expedition Unknown. Um, but he, re, I say about a year ago, he kind of got into the UAP subject. Um, and he runs a page called UAP Columbia on Instagram and, and everywhere else. And he got in contact with me, probably getting on for a year ago, just to say, I'd like to do some collaboration work with you. So we did some articles and stuff about cases in Colombia. We kind of broke them last year. Um, and I didn't know who he was at this time. He hadn't divulged his, his name and identity. I was just speaking to UAP Columbia, but super nice guy. And then after a few months, he kind of started talking about um possibly doing some something out there like doing a documentary about this mysterious light phenomena that's kind of similar to what you see in the Hestalen Valley in Norway um and I, I was hooked I was like this that's my kind of stuff the science-based aspect of the phenomena um so I was just like yeah I'd love to be involved not really thinking any anything would come of it but as the year progressed, we were we started speaking and having video calls, got to know Ash, um, absolutely amazing guy. And then towards the end of last year, I, I got a, a message one day going, right, it's happening. Do you want in? I'm like, yes, please. Um, before you know it, six weeks is the countdown and that flies by. And I'm on a plane with Dan, the signal from my colleague at UAP Media UK. And I think everyone knows Dan as well from that ufo podcast and um, we're we, you know we're flying out there and it's just incredible to know that we're going to be doing serious boots on the ground investigations into a, a real interesting phenomenon so yeah great stuff yeah south america is no uh, stranger to the uap phenomenon as well right even other parts like chile and argentina and stuff like that there's been things in the air the water lights just all the same phenomenon it seems to be a global thing not just you know uh, maybe it gets more attention or, or kind of more momentum from the u.s because maybe they take lead when these kind of things happen and they've just been doing so for longer uh and that's kind of why they're if there are any leaks it's going to come from where the pot is hottest right and if that oh, is yeah. the hub of information they're going to get everything first and then it's going to kind of trickle out you know from there the but one big thing that was different that i kind of wasn't expecting as much was that this is a a, a phenomenon that has been reported for about 400 years and the people out there are very, very spiritual. And you ask them what they think these strange lights are straight away, without hesitation, it's UFOs. And when we were actually out there in the local town, all the walls around the, the small town are just murals of UFOs above the mountain and stuff like that. It is ingrained in their psyche, yeah. every single one of them, you know. So that was a, a strange thing because you have to then get past what people's biases might be or just pure belief systems um and not forget that we're there to actually try and gather evidence so but it was still a beautiful thing you know when you talk to someone out there about ufos you know it's going to be a great conversation there's no funny looks or anything so that was awesome well any of the north american cultures right like if you look at like the zuni or the pueblo indians 
or the Hopi, they believe that, you know, they're the descendants of star people. Yeah. Um, and even when you go to like Africa and Polynesia and, and that kind of gives credence to the uh, ancient alien theory that there were some intelligent creatures here in the past because it doesn't explain the age of a lot of the things on our planet or the artwork, you know, uh, some of these things look like they're operating craft. They're wearing spaceship helmets. Some of them are massive beside little guys. So either one's really, really big or one is really, really small, but they, they wanted to show that there was a difference, you know, and, and uh, they, we still don't have any answers to any of that stuff uh, around the world. So I think that's kind of, um, especially in South America, that'd be a good place to get maybe some unfiltered information direct from, from people who that has become their, uh, you know, their ethos. It's part of their religion now and what they actually believe. Yeah, totally. I mean, we the, the main goal was to do the research, but also to film this documentary series, which obviously we did. Um, and I mean, that in itself was a journey and it's it's called phenomenology. Now, th that is actually the, the study of experience, consciousness and, and, and a journey. And I think what the documentary series will show is not only the investigation side of things, but the journey that we all took from day one to 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 the end of the of, of the trip um and i think that will really shine through because we there was me and dan but there was also a group of people you know about four or five other people very different backgrounds we had a gentleman from london who was a he's in international trade you know um doesn't come from a uap research background but was asking great questions we had a new york judge 72 year old lady from new york so she comes with a very analytical and evidence and asking the right questions about things and we had a gentleman who works in the u.s military establishment uh top secret sci clearance i i wasn't able to get much out of him lovely <laughs> lovely guy and we formed this bond this team from so many different angles and i think that's going to show in the series as well so like i said it's just going to be about a journey but then with a, a really, really fascinating investigative side as well. So I hope people enjoy it. So just uh, I'm curious now because you, you go down to Colombia and now you're immersed in this culture that believes that these are UFOs. You see the art on the wall. Uh, you're with other people that have the same interests as you. That must have been like an amazing experience. And it's, it's almost like a validation as well that you're kind of on the right track. Yeah, I mean, we we had this really nice big house. We spent every minute of the day together and the conversations after filming finished were just fascinating about UAP because me and Dan and uh, we're getting asked a lot of questions by these guys who just wanted to know as much as they could. They were so enthusiastic. Um, and you tell them stuff and they just come out with ideas and conversation points that even I hadn't considered certain aspects of. So it really helped form this cohesion and stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was just it was just great, and when you're surrounded by such beauty as well, it's yeah. just an I idyllic life. Do you have any other uh, uh, faraway destinations kind of lined up, or are there any other hot spots around the world that are worthy of uh, visiting and doing some investigations? I, I mean, I guess there are. I'd love. To, I think this Columbia project is going to continue. Season two is going to be filmed in June, so there are already people lined up to go out there. Unfortunately, I'd love to, but I'm a family man. I've got, you know, that to kind of consider first and foremost. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's good to give other people an opportunity to go and see it from another angle and then just keep going. So maybe next year I'll be out there again. But th there's a lot more work that needs to be done. We need some really more. We need some intense sensor systems out there to to really see what these things are. I think that's the next step in, 
in the next year or two. So hopefully we'll get there. I'm quite positive. You know, we we were lucky enough to have some advice and some private calls with Lou Elizondo and Sean Cahill while we were out there to kind of just see if they thought we were doing the right thing at the right time and stuff. And, you know, they validated what we were doing. Thank thank those guys. I can't thank those guys enough. You know, they've been a real big help yeah. inside that project and outside as well. So, yeah, that, that's just validation that I know I'm kind of on the right track. So, yeah. And good. speaking about group events, <clears throat> I just wanted to ask your opinion. Uh, I'm a big uh, kind of enthusiast on the whole idea of like CE5 or close encounters of the fifth kind, group meditations, people all like-minded with the same intention um, that are supposedly able to manifest lights or craft or whatever uh what are your thoughts on that have you spoken to anybody who's been a part of that um i know stephen greer's um he's the one that sort of brought this to light with his uh, disclosure uh television and uh, you know amazon type uh, programs so uh, have you spoken to anybody who's been involved or uh, or what are your thoughts on that i have i've spoken to many people unfortunately i don't like the term ce5 because i feel like it's a brand name of something that's been around for a lot longer than when that first came about it's more like that human cognitive interface yep. with a, a non-human intelligence um it's not really my side of research but i certainly wouldn't brush it off and what you were saying there about more people together i mean if it's an energy-based system then surely the more people projecting Amplify something it. out there amplifies it yeah so i'm all for that you know um so yeah i, I mean i certainly wouldn't say anything negative about it i'm not that kind of person for me i'd like to see more research but again i'm not focusing on it so you know maybe it's out there um I, like i said i have friends uh, are more more into that side of things and i do speak to them so i keep a very open mind and i certainly wouldn't just brush it off because it doesn't fit into my paradigm let's say so and i think that's how most people should should look at it before just poo-pooing it right Actually, Vinny, that leads me to my question. I always want to ask you, what's your thoughts on the abduction phenomenon? I would never, ever say to someone it's not true and it didn't happen. If somebody believes that it happened to them, then who am I to say it didn't? Um, it's one of those things where you kind of have to go on testimony only. You know, you can't really research beyond that sometimes. There are cases where there may be physical traces and other other aspects of that. Again, it's not really my focus of research. So, I, you know, when I when I don't have that information or that knowledge, then I will just take people for their word. Um, I think that's the only way you can treat people in a, in a, in a, in a nice way. You know, it's it's the human thing to do. If they believe it, I believe it, you know, but I'm not going to go shouting from the rooftops that that it happened. But I, I, I'm, I, I'm an ear. They can talk to me. Yeah. So you're not opposed to the concept of it uh, or that. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm not going to judge, you know, I'm not going to judge people for having a belief system that's different from mine. Has anything changed for you, though, throughout the years of doing this, like, or, or even researching? Has, has anything changed for you, like aspects? Like, did you a shift in, in thought uh, or opinion? Not really shift in thought and opinion. I guess everything I'm about when it comes to this subject has been about the research and and stuff like that. I think when people have seen the upcoming documentary series from Columbia, I think they'll see a slightly different me. Let's put it like that. And if it's fact-based, then that's sort of the, the fuel to your rocket ship. And that's good. I mean, the, the science community, as Sean Cahill mentioned last week, he said, you know, you show them these five observables, they're tangible, you know, they're visually tracked, they're on radar, 
they they create data, right? Like there's there's metrics to these things. So to just be able to say, well, no, I don't, I don't believe it. Yeah, but if you're a science mind, you have to look at it now because right. now it's not coming from some guy's grainy video that he filmed in his backyard and you just don't know what his motivations are, if it's real or modified, whatever. It's coming from the government. So it's, it's, you can't just say, ah, it's, it doesn't make sense. So there's nothing to it anymore. If it's factual based and it's you know predictable, repeatable, that's what science minds, including myself, that's what we're looking for. You know, show me. I want to believe, but yeah. I'm not quick to believe. You know, I think I'm more of an optimistic pessimist than anything that's else. Like probably why it's know. a phenomenon because you can't repeat it. Like it's not, you know, I know science, you have to be Fair able enough. to repeat an experiment. You can't repeat that. A sighting takes place. But look at quantum done. physics. Quantum physics is a science. And when you observe something and measure the results, right. they're different from when you're not observing. And measuring the result. So the mere act of measuring changes how things behave because now you're giving them a purpose. You know, it's it's not stranger than you think. It's stranger than you can say yeah. sometimes. That excites me. That's the that's exactly all that data stuff and the analysis scientific stuff. That is a bit more of my focus. Not not that I'm a scientist doing the work, but I just, you know, people talk about wanting to see the next video or photograph. I want the data. You know, I want the the radar data and and, the, and all that kind of stuff. That to me is more compelling than than a video or a photo because of you know it's twenty twenty two. We know how well these things can be manipulated, faked, hoaxed, and all that kind of stuff. So, give me data. That's why I find you know where the truth will lie. We need another Phoenix Lights. We need another ten thousand yeah. people to blatantly see something. And, you know, 800 people to get it on tape and say, yeah, maybe one or two are fake, but you're not going to get that kind of a, a mass collaboration, yeah. right? Cities can't even agree on where to put parking and where to build a park. <laughs> so there's no way they're going to be uh, good enough to make that up, right? We need another another big event to happen. Absolutely. See, it's, it's bound to happen. It's bound to happen. There's no way, right? And who knows yeah. what's the next city that that's going to take place, but... Yeah, I, I always say that. Please be Chilliwack. Please be Chilliwack. <laughs> <laughs> well, British Columbia and then the West Coast of North America in general yeah. is a hotspot, you know, yeah. all the way through Washington, Oregon, down through California, and then like right into Mexico and further south, right? So um, especially being so close to the water, a lot of these things demonstrate they can go from space to air to water. And it, no matter what the medium, it doesn't seem to affect them at all, right? Absolutely. These things have been tracked on the east and west coasts of the US. You know, yep. Catalina Island, obviously, down, like you say, to the islands a bit down near, nearer to Mexico, but then off the coast of Florida, naval base Oceana, off of Virginia, things like that, that we apparently they're happening almost on a daily basis still. Um, yeah. Fa fascinating. Okay, so th this uh, phenomenology movie, that is coming out on May 1st, is that correct? Episode one drops May the 1st on our dedicated new YouTube channel for free. No paywall or anything. Yeah. Nice. And what's the length time of the episode? Do you know? I think they're probably going to be 20 to 30 minutes, depending. Yeah, depending on each one. I think they'll be between that. Um, hopefully it'll run about eight to 10 episodes as well. Nice. Weekly, weekly releases. Yeah. Awesome. And at some point, are you going to write a book? about your experiences i mean you've talked to everybody you would have great insight onto this phenomenon so are you going to write a book you know what i think that's something that would be another decade down the line i've got so much work i want to do in this field right. for the next you know for, for the next 10 years at least um that i think that would be something a lot further down the line and it would include all the columbia stuff but i hope that i get to do a lot more kind of boots on the ground work in the coming years 
so yeah i think eventually you know i'm surrounded by a lot of good authors graham rendell part of uap media uk has written the uh, the foo fighter book recently absolutely phenomenal so i wouldn't even dare to attempt to write a book at this stage i'd need a lot more experience in in the field you know i still feel like even though i've been in the background for quite a long time in this subject i still feel like i'm new to some degree yeah. so i wouldn't want to do something too soon too early do it as a memoir when you've got years and years of things to reflect on right after disclosure yeah. and the thing is too with all your podcasts i mean you got great material there you can go back and listen to it and uh i don't know if it's probably the same for you as it is for me but they're they're all my babies uh, each and every single one of them. And I, I forget sometimes some of the conversations that I had and I listened to them. I'm like, man, that's crazy that I had that person on. And you're one of those people that I have to have on uh, just because I've seen the success that you've had over the last few years. And I'm, I'm amazed at how big it blew up. But most importantly is the uh, spreading the word out there. You know, as you're getting more and more out there and your posts are getting retweeted and stuff like that, uh, people are getting the word that, you know, there's, you don't need to wait for the government for disclosure. We have people like this that are talking to the right people. Right. So kudos, kudos to you, my man. That's uh, that's a big you. deal. It's a big deal. Thank you, man. I'm not very good at taking compliments. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I always wanted my work to do the talking and not really me. So, yeah. you know, I, I do still struggle with that because it's not about me trying to put my face and name out there. Right. I'm just associated with the subject and doing work in it. So there's a kind of, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, you know, as I want to get the information out there. And if my name has to go along with it, then I guess I have to accept that to some level, you know, some degree. I guess you don't want to be, because there have been some names that have come and made a splash and were very quickly sought as maybe like a bit of a sellout or, you know, they had materialistic yeah. motives. And even Lou Elizondo, I've heard him mention that, you know, he didn't part ways with to the Stars Academy. It's just they are media based and they want to be all about television programming. And he's got more work to do than almost to just limit himself to that. You know, maybe maybe he's not willing to settle down, you know, so to speak yet. Right. So um, absolutely. Yeah. People want to you want to get the word out. But a lot of these people, including yourself, are very humble. You know, even Sean Cahill, yeah. extremely humble, down to earth guy. They're not. Uh, they're not out there waving the flag saying, everybody listen to me. I'm an expert on the subject. They're quick to admit there are no experts because nobody knows. Nobody has definitive proof. So let's keep our, our heads about us and not get too too big about what we think we are. You know, let's just keep talking about this and let's make it be a cool thing to discuss. You know, we, uh, we have some Absolutely. colleagues amongst us that agree with us on every other topic in the planet. And they're like, you guys do an alien show? Really? Like, like people come on that thing. Yeah. Yeah. So even if we can get them to listen, it's working. And that's part of yeah. breaking down those walls and the stigma. And I mean, this is not a fringe topic anymore. So let's talk about it with some respect. Louis, you absolutely nailed it. Absolutely Thank nailed you, it. It's not, you know, it's, you mentioned Lou and Sean. I've been really lucky enough to form good friendships with these guys away from off camera and stuff like that. And it's not about them. People think, well, Lou is he's coming to this subject as Mr. Disclosure. He hasn't, he's just bringing in, bringing forward some information. Yeah. And, you know, people look at that in the wrong way and they put too much emphasis on the person and not on what they're saying or what they're trying to say, because we know that people like Lou can't say what they would yeah. really like to say because they're, they're stuck behind these non-disclosure agreements. So I think the focus needs to remain completely and entirely on the data and the information. You know, we've come a long way in the last four years, a lot further than we had in the previous 
well, quite a few decades yeah, in my definitely. opinion so yeah it's funny about our community though but if you think about it we wanted somebody like Lou for so long. We wanted somebody to come out from these, you know, clandestine underground, you know, investigative Pentagon people. We get that. And then we, we got a bunch of people saying, oh, he's a disinformant agent. And now we got people attacking them. It was such a weird community. Like we get these things that we wanted. And when we want it, then we pick it apart. Don't we do so, that with everything though? We really want to vote this guy in because he's going to make a change. And as soon as he's in, get that idiot out. He's a complete yeah. waste of time. <laughs> you know? Did you not just put him in? I don't, you know, yeah. we got to blame ourselves a little bit. Sometimes these people have a job because of our decisions. <laughs> yeah. But I, I see guys like Christopher Mellon or, or Lou or Sean or anybody that's like, even yourself, uh, you know, you're, you're out there all the time as humble as you can be, but you'll have people that just, I, I don't know what their deal is, but they, they just poo-poo on everything, like you mentioned, and I, I hate that. Yeah, I mean, when I first started on Instagram last year, um, and I started getting a little bit of growth, and I'd post something, and pe- someone would come at me with with a, with a comment, and I'd be, I'd be like, oh, I can't have that, and I've got to respond. And very, very quickly, I yeah. learned that the best possible thing you can do is don't respond. So now, if you look anywhere across all my social medias and everywhere, you won't see me engaging in back and forths and negative conversations. I keep it very, I put the information out and I don't really say much. Yeah. I will engage with positive people. Yeah. You know, who, who wouldn't want that? I think, I think you shut up a lot of your, um, uh, your haters because when they start seeing the guests and the podcast and the work that you put into it, um, I think that shut them up for good, you know? Yeah. The thing is there are certain people out there, that just no matter how much work you put in and how much good information somebody might bring out, they'll still come at you. Oh yeah. You know, and no matter what, exactly, you know, the best thing to do is ignore it. You know, even if you engage with them in any possible way, you're giving them attention and the time of day that they don't deserve. And I may sound harsh to some people, but you know, that's what they're looking for. They're they're trying to get a rise out of you. They want to know that they pissed you off. That's what they're, that's gratifying for them. Because all I know is that, if, if they're spending all their time hating on other people, they're not doing anything positive for the subject. And yeah. to me yeah. now that has become like enough for me to know that, you know, let, let them dwell in their, their own mess, whatever, whatever. Well, what Winston Churchill said, if you stop for every barking dog on your journey, you're never going to get to your destination. So there you go. keep Love going. It. My favorite one was from Mark Twain. Never argue with an idiot. Because they tend to bring you down to their level and beat you with years of experience. <laughs> but yeah. Hey, there you go. I yeah. like that. So avoid that. <laughs> when you get in a fight with an idiot, you both look stupid. Vinny, where can people find you uh, online? I know I mentioned it earlier. Where can we find your work? Um, I suppose my main outlet would be Instagram. It is at disclosure underscore team. Um, I have a link tree on there where you can find everything else. If you did want to go direct to Twitter, it would be disclosure team underscore. And then if you just saw, search Disclosure Team on YouTube, um, you'll see the, the the black and white logo, hopefully. And you can find all my podcasts and stuff on there. I will say I'm also a part of the Anomalous Podcast Network, which is run by Andy from That UFO Podcast. So my podcasts or my videos and interviews actually are then put out on all the kind of Spotify and Apple podcasts through the Anomalous Podcast nice. Network. 
Vinny Adams, I thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hopefully this is not the only time. Let's have you on again. Uh, I look forward to your uh, upcoming episodes. And again, I encourage any listener, if you haven't watched or um, listened to Disclosure Team yet, do yourself a favor, go download the podcast right now. Thank you so much, Vinny. Thank you, Louis. Thank you, Jason.